Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Best Ever You Network, celebrating our third year on Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. Thank you for helping us become a number one rated live show with over one million global listeners. Our team is on a mission to help you discover your authentic best self and bring it to the world. And now, here's our show. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Best Ever You Show. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, and I'm here in Portland, Maine. And I thank you so much for listening. I know I have to update the intro to the show and the exit stuff and all the stuff. I just have not gotten around to that in the new year, um, and Christmas was crazy. So, um, so much fun here, a lot going on with my kids. Um, so I promise to do that. But we're actually on our fourth year on Blog Talk Radio and at about 2.5 million downloads and listeners. So that's way out of date. And I can't thank you enough for your Twitter following, retweets, sharing on Google+, LinkedIn. I don't even know where the show goes <laughs> with all the different social media sites there are now. My kids tell me people Snapchat it and all this stuff. So I can't thank you enough for all you do um, to help us because this really is a grassroots effort. I, you know, I, When I started this show and started Best Ever You, um, I started, you know, just talking on the radio. I felt like I was talking to myself, really. And I, I grabbed a neighbor up the street, and we started this thing, besteveryou.com website. And it just really has grown so, so in such a cool way, with no funding from anybody, no, you know, no investors, no anything. It's just grown surely by you guys. So thank you so much. And it's moments like these that make me just smile when we get these cool guests that come on. And I can say cool because he's from the 80s. <laughs> and so all you guys that are listening now, don't think the word cool is cool too bad. We're going to say it a lot and awesome and all those things because Steve Lynch is here. And he's a, he's one of, he's a founding member of the group Autograph. And um, I don't know, I've been watching their YouTube video and all this stuff and showing my kids turn up the radio, but it's that song, yeah, turn up the radio. And they sold over 5 million records worldwide, including the platinum-selling album Sign In, Please. And they had a hit single, Turn Up the Radio, which I am not going to sing for you. Maybe we can get him to sing <laughs> or do something. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I can hear him laughing. Um, yeah, guitar player singing. Yeah, you're good at everything, I can tell. A lot better than I am. Um, but that song reached number 29 <laughs> on the Billboard Hot 100. And, um, he, oh, gosh, I'm just going to be quiet and let you talk. How are you? Thank you so much for being on my show. Oh, thank you, Elizabeth. I'm really glad to be here. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's cool. The power of Facebook. You know, there, this thing came in on my Facebook page to like the autograph um, fan page. And I'm like, yeah, I know that band. That's so cool. And we got to talking, and, and um, I was like, any chance you might want to be maybe like on my radio show? And, and you said yes, and it freaked me out. I'm like, oh, no, now what do I do? <laughs> like, what do I ask him? <laughs> in over now my head. Now you have head. to do your so, research. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now I, I, <laughs> exactly. That's that's weird when you have to Google people and you don't know, you know, what about them's right or wrong. You know, you feel like you're like stalking somebody. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm cool. Um, but how how awesome! I have a question right off the bat, though. Like, what does that mean to be a two-handed guitarist? That is so cool. The one thing that just strikes me right off the bat: you are so incredible at playing the guitar. It's jaw-dropping how cool it is oh thank you thank you very much for that i appreciate it um what it was was uh when i was going um to the guitar institute back in 1978 
Um, that was down in Hollywood. I, I'm from Seattle, but I went to, I moved out to LA to go to the school down there. It was the first guitar school of its kind. And, um, yeah, I, I went to that and there was one of the first people that did a clinic. There was this guy, Emmett Chapman, that it, in, uh, invented this instrument called the stick, which you play with both hands on a fingerboard, extended fingerboard. It's, 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 uh, very wide. So there's one set of strings that you play with your left hand and another set of strings that you play with your right hand. And um, I was just blown away with what he was doing on that. And he mentioned at the early part of the clinic that he got so far with that technique um, on his uh, on his own, like on a, on the guitar. That um, you know, I, I asked him after the clinic. I said, "What what did you mean on guitar?" And he says, "Well, let me show you." And he, I gave him my guitar, and he 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 played a couple of scales with both hands. And I just went, "That is that is just so cool." And so. Luckily, it was at the early part of the year when I was going there, and so I, I wrote down everything that I was learning there. I wrote down it two-handed, like pentatonic scales, um, all the arpeggios, triads, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the uh, chord inversions and everything. And um, so I basically had a book at the end of that uh, by, the, by the time I graduated, and uh, they asked me... Um, uh, actually, Howard Roberts, the guy that started the school, he saw me playing the technique, and... Uh, asked if I would want to publish the book. And I said, yes, of course. And so we got that out uh, early part of 1979. And uh, it was a, it was a big seller. A lot of people were into that. And uh, so it, it worked out really well. So I was, I was glad to get on that. Did you always know, like as a little kid, that that's what you could do? Um, that technique, you mean, or just playing it, guitar in general? And musically inclined as a little kid. I mean, were you the kid in kindergarten who was, like, singing and drumming on everything? And You know, you know what I mean? The, well, the what, what really got me into it was um, in 1964, I was only nine years old, um, my sister got the Meet, my older sister got the Meet the Beatles album, and she had all of her friends over and her friends were all really cute. And uh, so they played, they had a little party and they played the whole record. And I watched the way that they reacted. And I thought, that's what I want to do right there. Because all, all of her friends were going crazy. And I thought, that's that's what I want to do. Have all <laughs> so, the girls go crazy? or <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's what inspired me, actually. <laughs> the way to it. <laughs> but then I, I, I got it. into the music end of it. You know, I, I really, really got into it. Um, when Hendrix came out and that's when I thought that's, I just yeah. loved Hendrix so much and, and Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page and all those players, that was my bullet Cheerios every day I was listening to those guys. And, uh, so I started copying their looks and everything. And I got really serious, um, in 1970 when I was 15 years old. And, um, I was going over to my friend's house practicing all day instead of going to school and um, my dad found out. He found out that in the eighth grade, I only went to 51 days of school. And he said, where have you been? And I said, well, I've been over at Stephens. We've been jamming all day. And he goes, well, if you're going to play guitar, you can't live here. You know, if you, that's what you're going to do if you're not going to go to school. And I said, well, can I borrow the tent? And he said, we haven't used that tent in years. You can you can have it. And so and what I did was I took the tent and I moved it um, to my friend's place and cut out a bunch of sticker bushes and and um, set up the tent, and I had an extension cord running out from his place, and I had a little heater in there, my little amplifier, and a light and everything, and I was I was good to go. I stayed there the whole winter, and uh, it was it was a great experience. I mean, I just sat there and was able to play, so it was really cool. Yeah, I saw in your um, 
in your Facebook pictures, you know, I told you I was going to ha- go through them and pick pictures for the show and everything. I saw uh, a thing that said something to the effect of, and you can fill in here, but, you know, dear Mr. and Mrs. Lynch, we need to talk to you about your son and, <laughs> and all this stuff, <laughs> and he's not yeah. going to be in school here anymore and all this stuff. Do you... Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that happens to a lot more kids than people want to, you know, talk about. Um, because school isn't for some people, and some people's brains are wired differently, and and you might not fit in and all those things. Can you talk a little bit about that? Okay, yeah, I, I really felt like I didn't fit in. Um, what I was doing was I was actually reading a lot on my own anyway, and I I had different subjects that I was interested in, some spiritual books and, uh, you know, Chariots of the Gods by Eric von Donegan. And just people were turning me on to a lot of books, too, because, um, you know, I was hanging out with older people that weren't in school anymore and stuff. And uh, and they they saw that I was reading a lot um, as well as playing guitar. So they started to uh, just give me books and I would I'd read them. And I I just kind of became addicted to reading books. And I think I learned a lot more, actually, from being out of school than being in school, and the the type of material that I was learning was much much more interesting to me. So I'm I'm kind of glad that that worked out that way. I just didn't feel like I really fit in. It wasn't it wasn't only just what the school was teaching itself. It was just with the other students. I didn't feel didn't feel like I really fit in with them. And so I have no qualms about anybody doing homeschooling or you know learning off of uh, the internet nowadays. Um, I think it's I think it's a great way to do it, actually. So well, I'm all, all more for it. Special schools, too, where you can go if you're super musically inclined or mathematically inclined, or sometimes they, mm-hmm. they take what you're truly interested in and they just completely focus, and that's kind of cool, too, because I know um, one of my sons, um, one of my older sons, just the last two years of high school, you know, he went and did everything he was going, you know, supposed to do to a certain extent, but he was just so into meteorology, and he's like, oh, these classes, they just don't fit what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be a weather chaser, you know, a storm chaser, and do all these cool things with the weather and everything, and I'm sitting here learning about Shakespeare, and I don't want to be, you know, and whatever, you know, I'm I'm not saying exactly. Yeah, sure, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a really good point. I think that they should focus a lot more on what students are interested in at a young age and maybe start, you know, pushing them a little bit more in that direction, but finding something that they're really interested in. And I think that would be a really good way to catapult them into the future. So when did you actually, what age did you actually start playing the guitar? Um, In 1967, um, I started playing guitar, but there was already another guitar player on the block, so... That's when, um, uh, you know, he asked me to get a bass, so I saved up money from my paper route and got a bass. But um, I wanted to play guitar. I really wanted to. And so, um, you know, I I had a guitar, too. So when Hendrix died, that's when I just went, you know what, that's what I really want to do. He died September 18th, 1970. And so that day was kind of it. I just changed everything. I traded in my bass, and I got a Stratocaster, and, and that was it. I was addicted from that point on. How so do you I, go from I, there? I say, go ahead. I, I would say that that's you know, that's really when I took it serious was when I was fifteen, and that's when I really just started practicing you know daily several hours a day. That's so young. It's so cool. You just knew. Um, how do you go from there? Take us 
to autograph. So 15-year-old okay, well, kid with a guitar autograph. I started playing professionally when I was uh, 18 around the Seattle area up here um, and played at clubs, but I had to go out and wait in our van on the breaks because I wasn't 21. I wasn't old enough to be in there. And so, um, you know, I did that for a um, few years, played in, oh, God, five different bands until I went down to L.A. to go to the Guitar Institute. And after I graduated from there, I was going to come back up here, but I started to get all this work studio uh, jobs. I played with just numerous people on, on so many different tracks, um, uh, even Donna Summers, people like that. And um, I just I kept on getting studio work, so I thought, well, I'm going to stay here, you know, since I'm getting all this work. And I started to actually develop a name for myself in L.A., which is, you know, pretty hard to do. So I thought, well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stick it out, and I'm going to see what happens here. And then um, with Autograph, it was, uh, you know, a few of the members, um, we knew each other from, you know, doing uh, different shows together, um, even though we were in different bands, you know, and, and uh, you know, just going to check out our shows and stuff around the whole L.A. scene at that time. And, um, you know, we started talking to... Um, you know, Steve Plunkett, the original lead singer, and, and Randy. And I was actually in a uh, later version of Wolfgang just for a couple of gigs. And that was their band that they had before Autograph. And then Steve uh, Plunkett, the singer, and I put together a group called Looker. And uh, we did a few shows with them. And then uh, we kind of drifted apart because we had other gigs going on. Um, at the time that Autograph actually formed, it was kind of almost like a mistake um, in the way that... Um, what happened was uh, I was playing and the key keyboard player, Steve Isham, we were playing on dreamland records with a girl named Holly Penfield. Um, Kenny Richards was playing in a group called the coup on A&M records. Uh, Steve Plunkett was playing um, in a group called, um, Oh God, I can't remember the name of them, but they were on Columbia records. And then Randy Rand was playing in a, uh, with Lita Ford actually. And so, we were just we would go to this uh, rehearsal place. It's called Victor Rehearsal Studios out in North Hollywood, and we would get together for just rehearsals, just to kind of kick it around and and throw some song ideas together and everything. But we didn't take it very seriously. It was just kind of a side project that all of us were doing because we were all done recording and and doing most of the tour touring with the uh, other bands that we were already committed to. But um, this just turned out to kind of be like a hobby. But then um, Andy Johns, the producer, Glenn Johns, Andy Johns. His brother, they had worked with Led Zeppelin and Stones and everybody, and they were from England, so they had had a lot of experience. He came down, he was a friend of ours, and listened to our material that we were writing, and he said, God, I really like this stuff. And so the next thing you know is um, he said, hey, I've, I've got time at, at Gower Studios in, in Hollywood if you guys want to come down and cut a free demo. And so we thought, hey, why not? Go down and cut a five-song demo on the weekend. And uh, we, we recorded all the parts one day on Saturday, and then we went in the next day and mixed it down and, and mastered it. And uh, then our drummer was actually jogging every morning with David Lee Roth. Um, he had beat him on Sunset Boulevard every morning at 8.30, and they'd go jogging. And David asked him what he was doing. And he said, well, I'm playing with this group called The Coup on A&M Records, and then um, I'm also um, playing with these other guys. We haven't got a name or anything, but we just cut a demo. You want to hear it? And so... David said, yeah, and after they got done jogging, they went up to his place, and Kenny played it for him, and, and uh, he said, God, I, I really, really like this stuff a lot. He's, and he asked us if we'd be interested in going on the uh, 1984 tour with him, 
which actually started on my birthday um, back in 1984, January 18th. And um, so Kenny came to the rehearsal the next weekend, and he he laid this on us and said, well, um, I think we can go out for a few months because all of us were pretty much done uh, doing, you know, all of our uh, commitments with the other groups that we were with. And so we thought, yeah, let's go out for a few months. We'll think of a name and we'll just go do it. It'll be, it'll be a great time. So we did, and we actually – you know, rented a Winnebago and had a few rehearsals and passed the hat around to collect money for gas to get from <laughs> Los Angeles to Jacksonville, Florida, right straight across the What were the, the reject names for the band? What did you guys come up with that the band isn't named? Well, um, it, what we did was while we were in the Winnebago driving there, we still didn't have a name. And so each one of us wrote down five names on a piece of paper. And then we passed those five the, you know, pieces of paper with the five names on around, and people crossed out which ones they didn't like. And the only two that were left were Red Cross and Autograph, and we decided to go with uh, Autograph temporarily because, you know, uh, it's hard to just come up with the name just on the spot like that. So we thought, you know, we'll, we'll use this, and then we'll think of something different later on. But oh. it kind of stuck because, you know, just out of, you know, the, the, the months that we ended up playing with them, I think we were out with them for four or five months, and then... Then we went back to L.A. because we got signed to RCA Records. You know, we had to quit our other groups. But that's what happened Aww. was uh, we were out playing, and here we are. We're, we're playing in front of 18,000, 20,000 people every night, and we're getting this following going, and, and we're going over really well, opening up for Van Halen. So um, it kind of ended up being that, uh, you know, we had Warner Brothers, A&M, Epic Records, um, Geffen. We had... Um, you know, RCA and everybody, you know, throwing deals at us. And we're going, well, we're in other bands, you know. But uh, we decided, you know what, this is something that we created and it's our own thing. And let's go ahead and, and give notice to the other bands and give them a chance just so that they can uh, replace us. And uh, let's go ahead and do this because RCA signed us, wanted to sign us to a three-album deal. And they offered to, for us to keep 100% of the publishing. And RC had never done that with a band ever before, not even with Elvis. <laughs> so, so we thought, yeah. you know, let's go ahead and take it, and we did. And we went back, and uh, you know, we finished writing up enough for the album, and we went into the studio and and uh, started cutting songs. And uh, we, while we were at rehearsal one time, this was odd. But turn up the radio wasn't even written as of yet, and we were going into the studio in a couple days and to start the record. Um, at the record plant down in Los Angeles. And um, we, I was up on stage just jamming this, you know, this this riff, the riff that starts out with Turn Up the Radio. And everybody kind of said, well, what is that? You know, and I said, I don't know. I'm just I'm just playing it. And they, I said, come on, guys, get up here, and we'll try to make something out of it. And so we did, and we were just goofing around. And next thing you know, we, we kind of had a, a whole song together. And then we started, you know, coming up with lyrics like, you know, turn up the tape machine and everything and, and just all kinds of stuff like that. And then it came to turn up the radio. And the funny thing is, is RCA heard the song, you know, we invited them down to, to listen to it. Um, and uh, they, they said, no, that song's not strong enough to be on the album. We want the first single to be sent to me. And so when we went into the studio, we recorded it anyway, because we thought, you know, this is turn up the radio. Every radio station is going to love this. You know, we oh, knew yeah. it. We were right. And then, of course, when it was released and it became a hit, then RCA said it was their idea. And we just went, yeah, right, guys. Yeah, okay. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, record companies will try to take credit for it, even when credit <laughs> is not due to them, of course. Of course, yeah. Yeah. 
Now, so that's in how, all that, that's how it happened in a nutshell. Basically, <laughs> that's how it happened. In all that, is that like such a blast? Is it a ton of work? Does it seem like it's not really happening, but it is? I mean, how does that? How does that go? I mean, it sounds like a lot of a lot of dedication, focus, you know, all the things that, that you have to have with a slight little bit of luck, getting in the right place, thinking of the right things, but mostly just just, just such cool raw talent. It's, um, I think what a lot of Sorry. people don't realize is when you are in, you know, the mainstream and, and you're, it's it's your it's now your way of, of, of living. It's, you know, it's your income and everything and it's your life. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't realize that it's extremely time-consuming, and you have to put a lot of work into it, into the writing, into the rehearsal, into the recording, the production of everything, uh, putting together, you know, the live show, and um, and and then being out on tour and, and still writing and everything. I think that uh, and doing all the interviews, the photo shoots, and everything, it gets it, it gets so to the point where it's just it's completely overwhelming, and you're being torn torn every which way uh, imaginable, you know, by people that need this, people that need that, and our managers and everything are saying, well, you got to be here at this time, da-da-da, and, uh, you know, so you it's, really get- it's, it's very hard to manage everything, in which we're, we're, we're managing ourselves now. Um, I, I'm actually the tour manager, and so we go out, you know, and I have to have all the shows set up. I have to make sure all the equipment's there and everything, and the hotels are set, and, and boom, 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 all of it has to be all set up, you know, all the ducks in a row before we get there. And so that's a lot of work, you know, just setting that up. And then we're doing our own merchandising, um, you know, and, and mailing all that out. So we're doing everything our, ourselves. The only thing we have is a booking agent who gets us the, the uh, gigs, and that's that's it. We do everything else ourselves. So it's it's a lot of work, it is. But we enjoy doing it that way. That way we retain pretty much complete control over everything that goes on. Yeah, I I think it's really cool how um, accessible you are, and I know that's the comment like my friends have made. Um, like, wow, is that really them? Is he really coming on the show? I'm like, yeah, and he didn't make it a complete pain in the ass to get here either. It was completely easy, <laughs> and it was so it was so refreshing because sometimes you try and book a guest and there's you know ten people in the way, and you can say this and can't say that and all this stuff, and it was just it was lovely to just have you know just be you. And um, and and have some control over over what we're doing. It's cool. Did you know? What is, does it really get to the point when you're doing things like that that you really don't? You know, you hear like, I don't even know what city I'm in or where I am. Or does it get like that? Yeah, it it does. But um, that was more so back in um, the '80s. But because of the fact that we're we're now, you know, um, you know, booking flights and and doing all that stuff on our own, we oh, pretty yeah. much know you know, where we're always going because we're in control of it. So we pretty much have to know. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. We were back I don't know 80s, where we are. Where flight are we on? Yeah, it was just <laughs> Portland, Maine. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> you know, in the in the 80s, all we did was just get on the tour bus after the show and just go on to the next gig. We didn't care where we were going. You know, it's just like the bus was going to take us there. And so it was like yeah. living in a little magical land where everything was taken care of for you. 
those days are over. <laughs> We're doing yeah, well, I, and I'm not going to do the whole interview in the past either, but I do, I think that, you know, I, yeah, I to- told everybody you were coming on here, and I got a lot of hair questions. I got to be honest with you. There were a lot of like, What's up, what was up with the hair? You know, I'm sure you've been asked that a kajillion times, but that's some serious hair. I mean, I checked out the video. My son's checked out the video. They're like, their hair is, like, big, and that's like, – is that, was that it your actual – is that your hair? It be, like, that's actually yeah, your hair? Yeah, that was my hair. Awesome. Yeah, that was my hair. You know, it was all of our hair, you know, but uh, it just became what was popular back in the 80s, and yeah. uh, I'm I'm more of a 70s guy, so – up until we actually started touring, I had my my hair like more um, like in it in like a shag type cut. It's more like it looked like I was you know uh, a younger Keith Richards or or Ron Wood or something like that. It was that kind of English shag type look that I I had sported for some years and uh, and uh, so um, you know that thing. They said no, you got to grow your hair out. It's got to look like this. And I thought oh okay, you know. But then as soon as it, that was over then <laughs> I cut it down and taped it down a little bit. You know? yeah. That was like, that was why I, I, I'm a trained news anchor and my hair, I love my hair way longer and bleach blonde, you know, whatever you can do to my hair, I really don't care except to cut it. Right. And like, Oh my God. They were like, you have to have your hair above your shoulders and it's gotta be. And I'm like, Oh, leave my hair alone. You're freaking me out. And at yeah. one point I just remember them dyeing my hair their its original color. <laughs> I'm like, oh hell no, we are not going there, and it was just no. so funny. But I get the whole hair thing completely. Ugh. Yeah, and it's it's just one of those things where, you know, um, you know, it it becomes a fad. I'm sure with your work, it's a different kind of thing. But back then, nobody could really tell us how to wear our hair. It was just more like, you know, this is the suggestion we're going to make, you know, and yeah. so they kind of pressure now, into it because they want you to look like everybody else. Yeah. Well, of course, yeah, that's the same thing with the news anchor thing. But so now, um yeah. we have you have the band, you you reformed the new autograph group in 2014. Now you're on another national tour. Who's in the band um and what do they do and who's original and who's new and who is everybody? I know I just came across Simon who's awesome. He's so he is so cool. Um I met him on Twitter and Facebook now too. But um can oh, you go cool, through everybody cool. that's in the band? Yeah, well, Randy and I, um, the bass player and myself, are the original members. And um, uh, then there's uh, Simon Daniels. He's uh, He fit in really well, um, really well. He's a great showman. You know, he plays rhythm guitar really good, and, and his voice is superb. And he, he just he came in and he gave, you know, even the old songs new life, you know, let alone the new songs that we're writing now and recording. So, um and then uh, Mark, and he's he's originally from Brazil, and so he brings a different, you know, a different perspective in as well, which I like. You know, I like that more of an international perspective. And um, Mark uh, Wieland, he's the he's the drummer. He's actually from Switzerland, and uh, so he brings in another perspective as well. And uh, great drummer, he fit right in. He's just a good, solid, just steady drummer. And um, you know, the the thing that makes us uh, so tight knit is that uh we all get along very well um we we agree on one of the main things i said was i said i want us to be really accessible to the fans where we go out and we talk to them after each show and and uh you know we we just make ourselves accessible on on the social media and everything so that people you know they they feel like they're our friends which they are and um 
and uh, they all agreed with that, and uh, things just roll really smooth because everybody has their their own um, personal agendas that they have to take care of for the band to make it work, and so we work together on that, and we and we do very well with it. Yeah, I like that approach too because people want to support you in any way that they can in their own way and how they know how. So, like, for example, I know how to do my part in supporting you with the show. Another person might do their part in supporting you by wearing your T-shirt or, or passing out your CDs to their friends at a, you know, even at like at a book club. You know, you have no idea what people do to, to support you. So I love the fact that accessibility is so is so key these days. Uh, you know that you know, selling over 5 million yeah. records. You definitely know that anyway. Absolutely. But, and but the world single, has changed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it has. And that was one of the things I I had talked to Simon about, you know, about the first single was I came up with the the lyric content for the, the song, um, You Are Us, We Are You, because, you know, I was, I was basically writing it for the fans. And then we got together on the rest of the lyrics and we got together on the music part and everything. We made it made it kind of happen, um, but uh, that song is, is dedicated, you know, to the fans, you know. It's just like, hey, there's no difference. We're we're out here, we're playing for you, we're partying with you, you know, and you are us, we are you. That's all there is to it, and that's why I wanted to get that first song out there like that. And that's just showing our appreciation to the fans and friends. Yeah. Um, how did you guys all meet? Well, um, it was... Uh, Basically, Larry Moran, who puts on the Monsters of Rock cruise from the Caribbean, and now we're doing the ones, uh, the one in L.A. this year, actually. Uh, that leaves from L.A. anyway and goes on to Mexico. He's the one that puts those on, and he recommended um, uh, Simon to us, um, who used to be in, in Jailhouse, and then after that he was in a group called The Flood. But, uh, you know, we checked out a couple of his things on YouTube, and, uh, and we went, God, this guy's got a great look. He's got a really good persona on stage, and, and I think he would work very well. And so we got together for our first rehearsal, and, and it just worked out really good. He did his homework and, and learned the songs very very well, I might add. And uh, it just seemed to just gel really quickly. And um, uh, it, we had our original drummer, too, at the time, but um, he had some health issues, and uh, so we thought it best uh, you know, to try it with somebody else because he wouldn't have been able to really tour um, very many shows at all, and we wanted to get out and play quite a bit. So that's when uh, Simon recommended Mark, and he came into the picture. But, uh, you know, everything worked out very well. Now, this time around, like, for example, do you have kids, a wife? You know, do you guys all have families? Um, how how does that work now? A little bit older? Well, um, let's see. Uh, how old is everybody? I don't know how old None of us are actually married. Um, I was married when I was, you know, um, when Autograph was first taking off. And then it just got so busy, and, and my ex-wife, um, she wanted to have kids. And I said, look, I'm, I'm going to be on the road for the next probably seven years. I don't I don't think it'd be fair to the kids if I'm going to be gone. And I was gone. I was gone for another seven years after that point. Yeah. And um, we split up. We're still right. really good friends. Uh, she's married. And she lives in Nashville, and she has two uh, growing boys, one's in college and one's in high school, and um, we're still great friends. We talk all the time and everything. In fact, I was giving her, her oldest son uh, tutorial lessons over the phone and stuff for a while there. So, awesome. yeah. And so, yeah. It's, That's it's, smart it all of you, worked though, out actually. very well. 
that that's so smart of you yeah. because yeah, kids, you got to be present, and it's uh, yeah, or they yes. get pissed later on and blame me for everything. <laughs> it's kind of right, the way and I I wanted work. to be there as well. If I was going to have kids, I wanted to be there to oh, see yeah. them, and and no, I was, yeah. I, you know, I was I was gone after. I got done with Autograph, which we split up in 1989, and I know you wanted to ask me about that. It was we basically split up, um, you know, in in 89 because it was basically the end of the 80s. That's what I tell people. It was the end of the 80s. And, you know, the Seattle uh, thing was happening um, with the whole grunge thing. It was Nirvana, Soundgarden, you know, uh, uh, Pearl Jam, um, just all these different groups uh, that, were, that were coming out of Seattle. Yeah, like Allison Chains too, and and uh, which I really do like Allison Chains a lot. But um, you know, it was the music scene was definitely changing, and the eighties were over at that point. Even though a lot of people didn't want to see it, and the last band that kind of we was still really. in the latter part of the eighties was Guns N' Roses. That kind of snuck in underneath the the radar, and they made it, but they were a little bit different. They had a little bit more of a raw edge, and I think that's why they fit in um, right at the end of the eighties there. But um, we were working with Epic Records, and and uh, we were in rehearsal, you know, with the new songs and everything. We were recording new songs uh, to demo out for Epic Records um, after our RCA deal was up. And I just kind of went, um, guys, I, I don't think I'm into this. I said one day at rehearsal, and and uh, I had been thinking about it a lot, and I kind of wanted to do more of my solo thing because I knew the 80s were over, and we were kind of doing the same thing. We were we were going for that harder edge too. Uh, we weren't using keyboards anymore and uh, we were writing heavier stuff, but um, I that just didn't feel like that. That doesn't seem like you though. That doesn't seem like you. Just in talking to you um, and everything. Were you, is it? <laughs> Why? Cause I'm, I'm not using the word dude enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, you just seem a little bit softer than that. I don't know. Just, I mean, you're just, it, that just seems like a departure to me. I don't know. I don't know you well enough, but just in talking to you, you you just don't seem rough like that. I don't know if that's the right well, word or um, whatever. And that's not a knock on you. I mean, that that to me is a is a is a compliment. Well, well, well thank you for that. Thank you. Um, actually, you know, my like my solo album, it's a big departure because that's what I kind of wanted to go for was more like what my solo album's about. It's um. It's just titled after my name, Steve Lynch, and it's called Network 23. And um, that album, that's more of the writing that I wanted to do. And um, I yeah. played, I wrote, arranged, produced, and played most of the instruments on it except for drums and uh, and uh, some of the keyboards and the vocals, of course. And and uh, that was it. But uh, it, was, it was kind of just uh, a work of, of my own heart, you know, and, and, uh, you'll see people that do listen to it. They, they go, wow, that's, that's really different from what autograph is, you know, or was, you know, and I said, yeah, you know, that's, it is different, but, uh, you know, I, I've always been into, you know, stuff like the moody blues. I love Pink Floyd, you know, that's the kind of stuff I'm into. I listen to bands even now, like, um, Balagamingo, Conjure One, Delirium, Porcupine Tree, stuff like that that are that is not mainstream at all, even though it's very popular in Europe. Um uh hardly any stations play any of that stuff here. Um right. and that's the kind of stuff I like listening to. It's it's just different. It's very musically inclined and uh it's not just the in your face rock and roll, which I still love the in your face rock and roll stuff. I mean I love that too, but uh, you know, a lot of different flavors that I like too, you know. 
Yeah, I think we all do. It's, writing. it's important to not want to turn off the radio. So, you know, we want to turn it up, not yeah. off. And, yeah, some of the stuff is like, oh, i got to turn that off now. <laughs> you know, And I can't tell yeah. if I'm getting old or what it is, but I'm like, okay, i got to turn. But I like, I like a lot of things that are just piano. I don't know. I'm, I'm an old piano player. That mm-hmm. was like the one thing I could do. I just love pure piano. Uh, whatever. You know, anyway. it's funny that a lot of the bands I listen to don't have that much guitar in because I think it's just a departure, you know, from yeah. listening to just guitar-oriented bands since the 60s, you know, through the 70s and into the 80s and the 90s and everything. And then, you know, I think in the 90s is when my listening, that's when it really started to change. I really started to listen to different stuff. So. Yeah, well... Yeah, oh my gosh, you're such a good, good, great guitar player. Do you um, t- tell me about t- like teaching guitar? You know, once you're so great at something, I, n- I imagine everybody just must be. Can you teach me? Um, th- you've got to be a mentor to so many people, um, and you and you founded the Federal Way School of Music. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, you must. Be. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about that? How it kind of how it kind of changes over to teaching people and mentoring people and and your mu- and your music school. That's cool. Well, um you know, even when I graduated from the Guitar Institute in in uh, 1979, I was even teaching a little bit back then. So I kind of taught on and off. It wasn't something that I just started doing back in the back in the 90s, you know, after after the band was done. It was something that I had been doing on and off. In fact, when Autograph was done, I went out and did um 325 clinics in 22 different countries um and that was that was you know promoting my books because you know since my first book i'd written two more and i had done an instructional video and so and then i had you know a teaching site up um you know i I put that together later on it's it's called lynchlicks.com l-y-n-c-h-l-i-c-k-s.com and that that kind of that's more for advanced players though but um I, I like to I like to teach people how to play. I mean, it gives me great gratification to know that somebody, you know, is is learning to play the instrument, and um, uh, you know, they're they're actually getting a lot of enjoyment out of it. It may may keep them into doing something more recreational than and something detrimental, you know, like getting into uh, drugs or something. You know, that that way, you're giving them something to really be creative, and I think that that's really a cool to tool to uh, share with somebody. And so I, I enjoyed, I've always enjoyed teaching and, um, you know, because of all the students that I've had, I've literally had thousands of students, you know, from, you know, LA, uh, to Florida when I lived down there and then on a back up to Seattle again. Um, so, you know, I've, I've gotten used to it and I actually, I actually really enjoy doing it. Are there people in, this might be a no, so you can just say no, it's not, but are there people in other bands that are, um, I don't know what famous now that have been taught by you. That's a that's a really choppy question. <laughs> Sorry, but you know, um, are there are there people you go? Yeah, I taught them and them and them. Yeah, there was um, Rocky George. He was a student of mine. He was in suicidal tendencies. And then there's um, um, John uh, John Shank, who actually was in a lot of different TV stuff. He was. Um, you know, just doing all kinds of stuff down in L.A. I was, I was following him, and he was a, he was a student of mine, and now he's actually a famous producer, and he's doing really well with that. He he's you know morphed over from being uh, 
you know, a, a guitarist, which he still is, but now he's a, a famous producer. And, and so, yeah, there's been some that have actually gone on. Um, this guy, Kevin, that, that I taught, that's just now, he's playing on all this television stuff, you know, down in LA. And, and, uh, so yeah, they've actually, I've had quite a few students that are actually out there making a living at it and doing it. So that makes me feel good. But, uh, and another guy that, that uh, this, uh, guy, Ben, he's, he's now, um, God, one of the orchestra consultants for, um, I can't think of it. I think it's the Phil, Phil, uh, Philadelphia Philharmonic. Yeah, I always get that yeah. wrong. So, yeah, yeah that no, I, I was trying to put Philadelphia and Philharmonic <laughs> in, yeah, in the correct order. What are some of your favorite movies? Do you watch movies? It's a, it's a totally random question, yes, but once I do. you said that, I was thinking of the movie August Rush. I love that movie. But um, oh, yeah, I like, that, like that? I like that as well. I love that movie. Yeah, I, I do. I, I really enjoyed that movie. And, you know, some of the other ones that really kind, kind of had a profound effect on me in my younger years, that was like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, I liked The Clockwork Orange because I was a Stanley Kubrick fan. Um, you know, and that's, that goes as well as... Um, uh, 2001 was also. I love Apocalypse Now because I think that uh, Francis Ford Coppola really kind of depicted what it was really like more so than any other war movie I'd ever seen. It was more truthful. Um, uh, God, the list goes on and on. I like the movie Powder. Um, mm-hmm. I like out there movies too. I like um, I like the movie Contact uh, with Jodie Foster. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah, it's really movie. cool because that that really I like movies that really make you think. Um, yeah. But actually, you know, some of my, uh, you know, a, a lot of what I do now is I w- I watch a lot of documentaries because I'm a I'm a data freak. I love to learn stuff and I want to know it as much as I can about everything. So I I have a library right. here of books and and I have on my on my TV I have you know uh, saved probably 35 documentaries that I haven't even gotten to yet. And I'll watch one or two a night, you know. So um, <laughs> that's funny. We're doing the yeah, same I thing. I sit there and watch documentaries movie. too. I can. I, I do that all the time. Um, yeah, it's reading just or documentaries. Because, um, it's strange. Whatever. It's just me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and <laughs> it is what it you've is. got these other people that are so prolific at teaching about a certain subject, and it really pulls you into it, you know, and makes you um, appreciate all the work that they put into it. Into it's it. A lot to of work it, too, you know, isn't so. it? Yeah, oh, absolutely it is, yeah. Yeah. Have you figured out why The Martian was nominated in the in the comedy category yet, though? <laughs> Did you see that? No, because I haven't What's seen the movie that? yet. Okay, um, but well, whatever. I think but, that, okay. Um, like, it's in, when, it was uh, in, nominated for comedy. It's like, why is that? And, and not that it was the best movie in the world or anything like that, but it was so misplaced at the Golden Globes Award. Whatever I just said. Well, in well, Rick comedy. even said that when he went up to get the award. He said comedy. What? He just kind of comedy. shook his head, you know, like yeah, what? whatever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like comedy. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I hear you. So, I want to I want to ask you more about the School of Music. Are you still involved with that? And and what is that? And what's the website for it too? Sorry, we departed on movies, but we're coming back. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's we. Detour there. We're. We're doing full circle segues here, so we'll always come back exactly. to the subject we were talking about, but that happens. <laughs> yeah. um, it's FW, like as in federal way, fwschoolofmusic.com. Uh, okay. So and that's, that's what that is. 
I actually started the school yeah. and I kept it going for ten years, but I'm I'm going to be moving, so I sold my house and I let um, uh, the this friend of mine, Leon, take the school over. I'm still teaching there um, until September, and then I'll be moving to St. Petersburg, Florida. Well, that's nice. That's a good yeah. thing, right? St. Petersburg. My my yeah. <laughs> Because um, yeah, I, I lived in Fort Lauderdale, and I, I loved it down there, but um, uh, musically there wasn't a lot happening. Now that the band is established again, it doesn't really matter where I live. And my doctor has been selling, telling me for a long time, because I have asthma, and I, I'm allergic to the molds up here. And they said, this is the worst place you could be living. <laughs> you know, like, like, you've got to move somewhere where you're not allergic to all these molds. And the cold weather is with people with asthma. And my asthma's not very bad, but I still have it, and it, and it feels like I'm kind of sick all winter long, so I almost, like, look forward to going somewhere else for for the winter. So, you know, they said, you know, you've, you've really got to move, you know. It's gonna, just going to get worse year by year. So I and thought really it's going to be a good year to do it. you really got to move to the sunshine and, and the warm. And, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, somebody's got to do it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we're sitting something, on... <laughs> you know, the, no okay, here. now this is, this is, now that you're, you're waiting for this big nor'easter to come in, you know, and you're going to oh. be wishing that you were down in Florida during this. Florida. Week. I'm sure as most people, most people are thinking, but you know, it's got to be exciting to have a storm like that coming in as well. I mean, I, I've always liked storms. I think they're, they make life a little bit interesting. So. I think storms but, uh, are very cool. As long as, as long as everybody's safe and you know, all that, all that yeah, stuff. Exactly. But, yeah. yeah. Um, but am I sick of the snow? Yeah. You know, I, I was raised in Iowa and Minnesota um, and, mm-hmm. Then out to California and here, and you know I've been kind of all over, but not to Florida. Florida's cool. Um, I I actually just visited Florida for the first time um, oh, last year and met Mickey Mouse and did the whole Disney thing. I played cards with Mickey Mouse. Oh, you Mouse. went to Orlando and everything. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but oh, I can't believe they the. I mean, just the, I really was mostly raised in Iowa, so you know, an alligator to me is like, oh yeah, nah, it's not real. They're huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. Like right yeah. there. Like, oh my God, no, they're there. So that was kind of that was pretty bizarre. But that I came back thinking that would be the best joke ever to play on somebody here. Mm-hmm. Like, like I went to this baseball field and and there was a pond right there, and I'm like, that needs an alligator in the middle of it so badly, just to yeah. freak people out. <laughs> you know? But anyway, yeah, you you want to stay you know. out of the pond water because it could be very likely that there could, there could be either a python or an alligator, you know, in there, you know, so you just don't want to take the chance. So <laughs> Not swim. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so tell me, what are you guys going to do for this next year? And I know this is best ever you and self-help and, you know, all that good stuff that goes with being a Hay House author. Um, I, I'm really curious through all of this. Um, you seem to me like a guy that does not put um, – a barrier up or, you know, a boundary up as far as what you can or can't do. You seem like you're an endless possibility kind of person. Um, so that being well, said, I, is that true and what do you got planned? Well, I, you know, I just look at myself as, uh, you know, somebody that always tries to push forward. There's more to be done and there's more to be learned and everything and every day is a, a lesson in its, in its own. Um, but um, what we plan on doing is is playing a lot of, of uh tour dates this year in which our booking agent is booking us up really good right now and um and making sure that that happens but um we just released as of 
January 7th, we released our new EP, which is um, called Louder. And uh, it's a five-song EP with uh, four new songs and um, also a version of, a live version of Turn Up the Radio. And nice. so, um, yeah, so that came out really well. And uh, and we're going to be pl- uh, touring, playing some of the new songs and, uh, you know, just refining the set as we go along and uh, doing more and more shows. I just, I love playing live and we all do. That's one thing that we, when we have time off, all of us hate it. <laughs> we just hate it. It's just like, <laughs> we've got to get back on the road. We miss each other, you know, and we just we just want to get back out there and just do it as soon as possible. And so the more tour dates that we have, then, then the better. And uh, uh, we plan on going over to Europe again. Um, we just went over there last year, or actually 2014, and played for the first time. Autograph had never done Europe before. And, uh, and I had known from doing... Um, Europe doing my clinics that uh, uh, we had a good following over there because after my clinics there was like two or three hours of you know signing records and, and uh, different memorabilia and stuff and and uh, so I knew that we had a good following over there and sure enough when we went over there it was just a sold out crowd for Firefest and it just went over immensely well and so we definitely want to go back over there but uh, you know do a lot of shows here as well in the states. How have things changed from the 80s to, you know, 2016? With with every is everything is it profoundly different, slightly different? You know, what what's different with touring? You know, when you get back with these uh bands that um were popular during the 80s, um not very many people look that much different. They still are kind of wearing the same stuff. The hairstyles a little bit different, you know, but they um everybody um, still kind of has the same attitude, like, hey, let's go out there and rock and, and have a good time with the fans and everything. And and uh, so it's really cool. So it's it's really cool seeing a lot of the bands from the 80s that I knew back then and seeing them out on tour again, like the guys from Quiet Riot and Winger and just the, the list goes on and on, just everybody, you know. And, and uh, so that, that's a lot of fun seeing them again. Um, but, uh, it you know, it's... That, okay, the fans are older. <laughs> I, mean, I was going to you know, say, we're uh, all got to be older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's cool seeing them because, uh, you know, they're people that you played for before and people that a lot of people that we had met and everything and befriended back then in the, in the 80s. And, and now they come up to see you and their their kids are growing and they want to go out there and they want to live that whole thing again, you know, or they miss that, that whole 80s thing when they're – out partying and going and seeing bands all the time. And so it's really cool to connect with those people again. I mean, it's, it's just a great time. And, uh, and um, you know, it makes it all worthwhile, you know, when you get out there and, and you see a bunch of these fans that were there for you back in the 80s. It just really makes it worthwhile. You know, it's interesting, too. As I was I was thinking, I love to um, market and brand. I told you that. You know, it's just a, a thing I love to do. And I, I, was, I was trying to think of, wonder what they could do that would reach, like, Every twelve-year-old, thirteen-year-old, fourteen-year-old, fifteen-year-old, like my kids, some of you know my younger kids, uh-huh. age group, um, is the music that you're playing geared toward the fans that were in the '80s that are all grown up? Is it geared toward everybody? And I guess are you gonna are you ever gonna do something like yeah, let's go on Nick Jr. and sing Turn Up the Radio so the you know the twelve-year-olds know it now too? How, what's your what's your game? Oh, plan we'd love there? to do something like that. Absolutely, we'd love to do something I would like love that. To but see um, that. 
I, you know, I think that um, the '80s music, um, even though it, it kind of fell out of, um, you know, fashion during the the '90s um, and into the the 2000s, but uh, um, a lot of kids that that like come in for lessons and and a lot of their you know the parents that actually come in for lessons. Um, they say that you know their kids just love it, and the, and the, when I have the kids and they they want to learn some of the old eighty stuff because a lot of the rock out there now it's it's almost like pseudo rock. It's not it's not real, or some a lot of it's just a little bit too heavy for them. Whereas the eighty stuff that was like sing along, you know, get up and dance, you know, and and have a good time. It was all about having a great time. You know, there wasn't too many depressing songs back in the. Back in the eighties, you know, that was for the that was for the nineties. That was what I call, you know, heroin rock really. Basically it was, you know, really depressed <laughs> rock and roll for the most part. Uh but they want to hear stuff that, that, that gets them going. That's just like really good, having a good time, rock and roll stuff and and they really favor that type of music a lot. And so, you know, our new songs are very similar. They're they're a little bit different, a little bit more modern. Um but it it still caters to that same type of audience that just loves to hear good songs, good melodies, good hook lines, and um, some good raw guitar in it, and uh, some big drums and bass and everything. All the all the ingredients that make up a good a good song. So um, you know, I think that I think that they're kind of come around like they really enjoy that type of music, that style, because it really uplifts you. And so yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Yes. Yeah, I was I was trying to think of like, you know, you guys, you know, on like on the Nick Awards getting slimed or something. Something yeah. super, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that'd be the coolest thing and and my that's what my one of my kids said. They're like, you know, they need to like go on to like Nick and be at the Cho- kids choice awards and get slimed and turn up the radio and have everybody, you know, dancing and all stuff and and that was his idea so i i thought that was a good idea and he and he had never heard the song before and i i played it for him and i said what do you think he's going to come on the radio show and 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 be on all stuff and so there's a lot of 14 year olds right now listening (laughs) from from falmouth middle school so thank you all for listening and um they've been watching your videos and and doing everything getting just you know totally acquainted with with who you are and and your music and all that stuff so i i think it's pretty cool when when you when you're that timeless that you can reach an audience like that and they love you i i think that's so yeah I, I do i have to agree with that i think it's very cool too I re, i'm really glad that the younger people like it as well because uh you know why not they can enjoy it they can enjoy it too i mean there's more than justin bieber and Katy perry you know, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> yeah, available out there. Film, you know, even though even though they're great in their own right and they, they cater to that age group and everything, but uh, if if they want to hear some some rock and roll with some good fun lyrics and everything that they can relate to, then you know the '80s yeah. stuff really does, yeah, hold yeah. that tradition. Yeah, and then he wanted to um, put you between two ferns. Like, <laughs> oh no, we're gonna yeah. put them. There's a- <laughs> <laughs> okay, the whole band's going between two ferns, and you get to be interviewed. I can't remember the guy's name, but that's pretty funny because um, everybody yeah. everybody does that show. I'm like, all right. Oh, so, yeah. I, I can't oh, remember. God. Between yeah, two ferns is what it's called. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, boy, they've got all these ideas for you, and I'm like, all right. Well, whatever. I'll I'll pass them along <laughs> live on the air, and we'll see what they what he thinks. Um, 
tell me about being – do you have to go or anything? I know I'm a little bit – am I going over time or am I okay? Or I know we're kind of – No, you're fine. Good? You're fine. A few more minutes? No. Okay, a few more minutes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, what's it like um, to be in, like, Guitar Magazine and, um, you know, all all these – You've just you've been honored quite a bit with with your work. What's the most what's the most prestigious honor that you've you've um, had or been awarded or whatever the words are for that? But I'm, I would think it being in Guitar World would be pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was uh, Guitar World that, that voted. You know the well, you know the subscribers you know voted me uh, or the song the solo and turn up the radio uh, mm-hmm. best solo of the year and that that really made me feel good. And then the Guitar Player Magazine. They had me in their spotlight column for new talent, and and you know I won the New York Music Expo, um, you know Guitar Player of the Year, and got to be on stage with, uh, oh God, Johnny Winter, uh, Les Paul, um, Larry uh, Coryell, um, just these phenomenal jazz and and uh, you know rock players and blues players and stuff, and and I'm up there just going, wow, this is. <laughs> This is a overwhelming mess for sure. This is wow. uh, I wasn't quite expecting this, but it's it's really really um, nice to be respected by your peers. That's something that I never quite expected. Even though that that's what I was trying to probably achieve more than anything, you know, just being a good guitar, good guitar player to just like have one of your peers just know who you are and compliment you. That's just like a huge thing. And then when you have you know, like the subscribers of magazines and, you know, like guitar magazines and everything and, and um, you know, people that hear your stuff on the radio and all these people that, uh, like, you know, Monday, all these guitar players are just hordes of guitar players that wish me a happy birthday and said I was a big influence. And that just made me really feel good. It really made me feel like I'd really accomplished something. And, and you know, because, you know, you're always thinking about the future. You don't think that much about what you've done, what you've already done. You know, I'm not I'm not at my rocking chair motif yet. That's that's no. what I call when you're at the end of your life and you're looking back at everything. But I'm not, not allowed there to yet. ever go there, really. No, no. you will not be doing that ever. <laughs> no, and, no. And so it was it was just nice to hear. It's very refreshing to hear that you know that people really appreciate what I've done and and you know I appreciate them you know letting me know that you know it's it's very nice to hear. So yeah, yeah it's it's and so, yeah. Well, and, and it was your birthday. No, well, it was your birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday again! And well, thank um, you. <laughs> how do? You, yeah, gosh, how? Okay, here's the best ever you part, guys. <laughs> the small, tiny sliver <laughs> of everything best ever you at the very end of the show here. <laughs> I have to ask this now. What What do you do? Um, you look You look great. You know? Do you run? Do you exercise? What do you? You know? Do, it looks like you eat healthy. What do you do to? to stay your best because it's, yes, I have a I, feeling I things are going to be, yeah, pick, pick up One and be busy. One of the big things is I try to avoid stress and that's one of the big things I, and I try to do that by, one of the big things is, is getting a lot, a lot of sleep. I try to sleep, you know, a good solid eight hours, sometimes what? 10 because I just I feel like I'm rejuvenated when I do that, and I feel so much energy when I get lots of good sleep. And I think that's what a lot of people kind of put on the back burner, you know, a lot of times because of their schedule. But if they take time to just like take time, even like a couple times a day, just to just to do like a 15 minute meditation and just take a time out, 
that's huge to be able to do that, just to like, you know, clear your mind and, and just uh, do that. And exercise is a good thing. I don't, I don't go overboard with it. I love going hiking. I love swimming. I love, um, um, and I do, I do weights here at home. I just have weights at home, but I do, um, twice a day I do that. And, um, you know, with push-ups and sit-ups and all that kind of stuff. And then I, I eat healthy, um, for the most part, when I'm on the road, it's not always that healthy, but, uh, because <laughs> yes. you're you're That's on a limited hard, schedule, it? you know. And, and yeah, well, yeah. Plus, you don't have that many options a lot of times because you get done oh. playing late and everything. And so, you know, and if the catering's not not still there at the venue that you're playing, then you're kind of left out on your own. It's um, actually uh, terrifying for me when I travel with food allergies because I have some of the most uh, I developed oh, allergies yeah. after my second pregnancy, and they're life threatening and. Eating out is, I'm the worst oh, dinner wow. date ever. Oh, it's, I, it's like, I've got to call the chef ahead of time and make sure nothing touches and all this stuff. It's just great. It's so stupid. Oh, sure. But Absolutely. It, yeah, but yeah. it's but it's critical to be able to cook and stuff like that. Um, but I, I know, what was I going to, the other thing I was going to ask you about, sleep, critical. I couldn't agree with you more and stress levels and keeping, you know, everything in check. Um, how, how exactly... Do you? How are you going to do that <laughs> with with a busy tour schedule? How do you? How are you going to do all that with getting sleep and exercise and everything? Or does it? Does do you find the balance when you're on the road? Well, exercise is one thing you know that um, is is a tough thing to do when you're on the road. You know, sometimes you can you can get time to go down to the gym and stuff, but uh, you know, being the tour manager, I'm um, either on the phone all the time or I'm on the um, I'm on the internet, you know, or on you know, just, uh, you know, texting people and, and, you know, seeing everything set up for the show and everything. So um, you get quite busy with that. And sometimes you forget to eat. Sometimes you don't get much of a chance to sleep. Um, but for the most part, um, we're not out for any lengthy periods. I think the longest we've been out so far have been, has been like five weeks. So um, there isn't any lengthy lengthy times, you know, okay. you, you always have time to come back and get rested up and everything. And that's the way most people are doing it now anyway. It's kind of like the weekend warriors. We go out and play festivals. We go out and play casinos. We go out and play, you know, different um, of the clubs and halls and theaters and stuff like that. And we do it on the weekends and then we fly home. And then I come back and I teach, you know, and then we'll fly off okay. on the next weekend and do it. But sometimes you get a string of dates, uh, you know, connected so that it's, you're supposed to just stay out and, and either fly to each different date or just, you know, without coming home and just staying out there and getting them all done. Um, but, that makes sense. Yeah, that, it, it is definitely definitely more difficult when you're, um, you know, when you're, when you're out touring to, to get, those, get the right amount of sleep, eat correctly, and get the exercise in that you need. Yeah, I couldn't figure out how to do that with my book. When my book got released, I was like, I don't really understand how to just pick up and leave my four kids and go on tour with my book um, for a year. Right. And I didn't, actually. I was like, you know what? This is just going to have to sit because there's no way I'm missing an entire year of everything going on with my kids when they're, you know, 13, 15, 17, and 19. It was not happening. So it's been interesting to learn how to do everything within a range or everything from Mm -hmm. home for periods of time and stuff like that. So interesting, but, again, I don't have to play on stage <laughs> like you do but yeah, every once in a while you got to show up and, and sign some books and, and do some things to interact with people get out of the house put some heels on and <laughs> get the hair done and go yep. but um I, before we go thanks for thanks for playing along with my best ever you segment um <laughs> before we go i want to um make sure
sure that I give people your website. It's autographband.com. And mm-hmm. people can check that website for your tour dates, right? Autographband. Yes, they can. Com. Yeah. And, and then there's still a bunch um, being added. There, there might still be, like, there's a lot booked, but we don't put them on the website until I have the contract and the contract is signed. So we're, we're booked for a lot more dates than what might show up on there. But when everything's signed, that's when we post it. You know, so, okay. so people know that. But, uh, yeah. And then you so, guys look um, like you're pretty active on Twitter, um, which is at yes. Autograph Band, right? Uh-huh. Yes. At uh-huh. Autograph Band. And then um, your Facebook page. And I'll put links out. Um, I put some links out with the show to everybody who's listening, but I will make sure and um, put the, the links out so you can reach these guys in social media. And um, I just I guess I'm going to let you go here um, because I've kept you, I think, over an hour. Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. Um, no problem. No, but so much fun to be able to talk to you. What a what a gift you have, and I just wish you the best of luck, and and wish your band the best of luck with everything that you guys have going on. It's it's been wonderful to get to know you better, and I I thank you for giving us an hour plus of your time um, to get to know you. It's cool to get to know you a little bit. Well, better. thank you for this opportunity, and it's been great speaking with you as well. And and um, you know, I hope that everybody enjoyed the interview tonight. Yeah, thank thank you so much, and um, to everybody listening, um, thank you also for your time. And you can share the show. You can you can go to the link, and on the left hand side are all the social media um, links. We're on Pinterest, LinkedIn, Google Plus, um, Twitter, Reddit. I mean, everywhere. So you can share the show. And um, I would encourage you. Uh, everything's on iTunes, also, right? Yes, Emma. Uh-huh. Everything's on iTunes, yep. and yeah, so you can find it all there. Yeah, it's all downloadable okay. as well. Okay, so yeah, and and go to Autograph Band. I think everything is there. There's merchandise. You can buy mm-hmm. the CD. You go to iTunes. You can can do just about anything. So pretty awesome website. I love that website and great pictures of you guys too. I I love all the all the pictures. Really a lot of fun to to look at all the things that they've got going on and quite a photogenic bunch. Um, and so thank you so much again for being with us. Thank you to everybody. And, um, you know, I don't have any, any, um, shows scheduled for a little bit here because we're doing a lot of things with baseball, but I'll certainly let everybody know in social media when we have some shows scheduled again, I've got some guests that are going to come on and I think, um, maybe we'll pull Simon, um, from autograph on for another show. You'd be glad to do it. He wants to come on for an hour. Yeah. I think that'd be so much fun to get to keep getting to know you guys it's cool so all right thank you again steve very much for being with us and oh, thank you everybody for listening appreciate it and um i hope you guys well, all you. have a wonderful night and uh and thank you any anything else you want to say did i miss anything uh no just uh come and see us at the shows everybody we'd love to see you there come up and say hi afterwards we always take the time to go out and meet everybody after the show as well so awesome. enjoy the enjoy the nor'easter <laughs> if yeah. you, if, if yeah. Just stay out of stay out of trouble. <laughs> Try to remain exactly. safe. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, stay safe out there. All right. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. Take care and have a wonderful night. And please visit us also at besteveryou.com. We appreciate all you do um, to to help us um, reach new people every day, change lives. Um, everything that Best Ever You does. We my goal is to just keep touching lives, changing lives. Connecting people, that's my thing I love to do more than anything, is just connect the dots with people and make sure people are networked. And if there's something you need out there, 
make sure you ask because one thing I love about our network is somebody always knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And so if you're dreaming about something, thinking about something you want to do, write a book, write a song, write a this, write a that, do something, anything that you're dreaming about, make sure you always put your dreams out there so people know what you're thinking because you'd be amazed at what people do to show up to help you achieve your dreams. It's so cool. So that's my profound thought for the night. I don't know if that was so profound, but I just noticed that um, every time you type something into the Best Ever You Network or on your Facebook page, it says, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm thinking about writing a poem or a song or I want to go here on this trip. Um, And once you write it out there, there's so many different comments that people um, give to help you achieve. And so I just want to throw that out there as a thought. And thank you again, everybody, for listening and sharing the Best Ever You show. And much success to the band Autograph. And thank you so much to Steve Lynch again for coming on for an hour plus. How cool was he? Autographband.com. I hope you guys follow them, support them, share all of their stuff, retweet them, all that good stuff that makes people fulfill their dreams. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great night. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.